you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Yeah, so as you were cleaning out your desk, uh, or from out from under your desk, what was the most amazing thing you discovered? So much dust. Well, you know, I mean, with the, with the one... The most amazing... Oh, I'll tell you what it is. So, did you ever play Quake? The uh, first-person shooter Quake? Yeah, I did. So there was a... The thing about Quake was you could... Uh, you can create your own levels, and you can create new right, graphics and stuff. And it weren't a lot of other first-person shooters based on the Quake engine? Yes, yes. Yes. So I, I found a box. Um, I haven't opened it yet. I imagine it's intact. Um, <laughs> I could open it. Um, but it's actually one of those boxes with the front cover that opens up and shows you all this stuff about it. So you could look at it in the store without having to rip it open. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is Ravages of Apocalypse, a Quake Total Conversion, X-Men. I remember that box. I never bought it, but I remember it in the stores. Archangel, Beast, Bishop, Cannonball, Cyclops, Gambit, Iceman, Phoenix, Psylocke, Rogue, Storm, and Wolverine. With a bonus limited edition X-Men comic inside, Rise of Apocalypse. This is why. It, this is a perfect opportunity. Let's find the positives. And one of them is you clean out under your desk and you find some amazing treasures. There you go. Excellent. Well, hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and this is the Fanboy Planet podcast. Uh, running this whole thing, producing from, I guess you're actually in the special inner sanctum of the Brett Cave. I'm in the control Former. center. You're in the control center. So... Identify yourself, sir. I am Rick Brett Snyder. Excellent. I mean, it always is, but uh, you know, yeah. it's nice to, nice to have the conversation because this is certainly the time uh, that we're reaching out and making contact with people. And so, uh, good tonight. Let's do another podcast because it would normally be New Comics Wednesday, but we have some other news, and I want to kind of restore a little bit of normalcy to the rhythm of our podcast, which is we had uh, during the first half of Cinequest. I interviewed a lot of filmmakers, and I thought it was no longer fair to keep holding off. Let's at least put out there, as I see more and more films getting released digitally, and people are getting opportunities to watch them, this one might be. Or again, I'm, I'm still hoping, end of August, that's when the second half of CineQuest will happen, and we'll get to, people will get a chance to see these films again. So, in addition to talking about some comics news, some movie news, and I guess, sadly, that it, that it took this to make a new section, which is just good news, <laughs> things that excite us this week. Um, and there are some things. Uh, I did want us to return to CineQuest interviews, and I wanted to start with an interview with a writer, director, overall filmmaker, because he has his own production company as well, who, did, who world premiered his film called 
butter at Cinequest to have a review up on fanboyplanet.com. Uh, and that, that talented filmmaker is Paul A. Kaufman. And I was just re-listening to the interview and realized that I never said his name aloud on the interview. So I wanted to be sure. It's Paul A. Kaufman who has made a ton of movies, both both cinematic and, and for television, over the past 20, 30 years. So it was great to get a chance to meet him and to see his film, Butter, which is about teen bullying and online bullying and you know the, the hazards that come with, as we say, it's a whole new generation learning a whole new way around. Uh, so... And and I thought it's even more appropriate right now as so so much of the internet is getting hammered by people turning to live stream and Facebook Live and Google Hangouts again. And that's kind of a, a plot point in this film, Butter. So without further ado, a conversation with Paul A. Kaufman. We are in the lobby of the California Theater for CineQuest, and I'm sitting here with the writer, director, producer, and... As you pointed out, craft Produ- services craft, yeah. uh, and production company. No, I know. Yeah, the, and you, so you own Lock, Stock, and Barrel. This mm-hmm. film, Butter. Yeah. Which uh, is it a world premiere tonight? It is a world premiere tonight. Yeah, world I'm premiere. very excited about that. It's a film that has caught my that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was you that emailed mm-hmm. me or a publicist mm-hmm. who because it's about teen bullying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> let me say, not say this oddly, near and dear to my heart, an issue near and dear to my heart. Okay. You know. Um, very concerned there, but it seems like also kind of a quirky comedy. Yeah, and there's a one just from the trailer. I haven't had a chance to watch the film itself yeah. yet. I'm yeah, hoping to catch it tonight. Great. Um, so yeah, let's just talk about how you got this idea and created this film. Well, uh, the idea came from a book. We optioned a book, or I optioned a book called Butter. Uh, I found it on Amazon, where I find most of my uh, IP material. Uh, contacted. I mean, when I read about it on, um, you know, on Amazon, it said it was about this morbidly obese kid who, you know, is bullied, and on New Year's Eve he's going to eat himself to death live for everyone in, in the high school to see. And I was just gobsmacked by this kind of idea as a story. So I read the book, loved the book, called the author, and the book had been optioned by another producer. So I stayed in touch with her. Uh, and a year and a half later, she called me and said the other producer couldn't do anything with it. The option is up. Do you want to? Do you want to option it? So I did, and I wrote the script very, uh, very quickly, probably in like three months. And um, was really passionate about telling this story. I felt the story was was about feeling and being disenfranchised, um, and I felt that that was universal. Um, although butter is 425 pounds and morbidly obese, I don't think you have to be morbidly obese to feel disenfranchised. I think that we all felt that way in high mm-hmm. school. I think many of us feel that way today, um, being socially shut out um, and, uh, and or judged. So I felt it was a universal subject. Um, I was also, you know, I wanted to do a film that was very original. And to do a film about a morbidly obese teenager and seeing inside that life um, was fascinating to me. Um, And at the same time, you know, my production company, um, which is called The Power of Us Entertainment, it's a a new company. Um, So it's a new company called The Power of Us Entertainment, and what it is is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And what I mean by that is... 
to make butter, it took thousands of parts. Sure. You know, and and it it just and it's also butter was a kind of movie where it just attracted like minded people, whether it was our investors um, or the people on our crew. Um, they were just all like-minded uh, because of the subject matter. Either they had bullying in their past or suicide in their family. Um, you know, they felt it was a story that was important to tell. And, um, you know, we had lots of great parts to this. But going back to the book, I wrote the script. Um, when I was done with the script, my manager sent it to a, a few sort of mini-studios. Uh, he said it was a game-changer, and I met with some of these places, and what I learned was is that I was not going to be able to make the movie that I had envisioned. Uh, if I went into business with one of these places, right. um, it just from the casting to the rewriting to the tone to you know producers that they would bring on board, not having final cut, you know. And I kind of set out to do this as a story that I wanted to tell the way that I wanted to tell it. Um, you know, I do a lot of television, and I have to work within a certain box, you know, and so I don't have a lot of um, uh, f- freedom, and I really wanted freedom at my age to be able to do this. So I, um, someone said, can you raise the money independently? And I said, I don't know. But I went out and I did, and and. You know, many years ago, 10 years ago, I had a movie that Annette Benning and Bill Macy were attached to, and someone said, you got to go raise money. And I couldn't raise the money because I couldn't sit down and, and passionately say that this is a movie that's going to make a change. I also didn't want to be that producer that says, hey, you want to, yeah. you know, you want to invest in a movie and I'll make you all this money. You know, I was, I was um, you know, very transparent with the people that I went to for the money. And they were deep pocket people. They were philanthropists. Um, and I said, "Listen, I don't. I, I think we're going to make back our money on this, but you know, it's really about um, trying to have a social impact and trying to keep this subject matter in the minds and maybe influence people in a positive way um, against bullying, uh, help teen suicide prevention, um, body shaming, and teen mental wellness." Um, yeah, there's an interesting aspect to it, probably from the book as well, but a relevance with the power of social media, which is a problem with both to bullying, but that his yeah. solution is to, it's almost tied into infamy, this mm-hmm. desire of this uh, of, of teens today is mm-hmm. like that question of, well, at least I'm famous. Mm-hmm. And does that have, how, did that, how did that resonate with you? Um, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? Well, yeah, that, that, um, it's a change from, uh, let's just say, you and I are from a different generation. Yes. That a group today, uh, teens today, uh, seem to be more uh, upset. I, I don't want to generalize, but it's true, you know, uh, more concerned with fame than what it's famous for. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that's probably from social media. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, you know, bullying when we were kids was on the schoolyard. Uh, bullying today takes many, many forms. Um, and, you know, in our movie, the encouragement was a form of bullying. Um, but with social media today, it's really brutal. Um, you know, suicide rates are up 30 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one in three kids have been bullied. Um, suicide between kids 15 to 25 
is the second lead is leading cause of deaths among that age range. So, um, and you know, with social media, there was a you know, girl in New Jersey named Mallory Grossman. We made the movie in memory of her. Uh, her story, she was 12 years old and she took her own life because uh, she was bullied on social media and she was bullied at school. And, you know, education is something that's really missing in the schools and the households when a kid is being bullied. And that is, what do you do about it? You know, and the school brought both kids in and just said, shake hands. You know, they really didn't know how to deal with the subject matter and how to, um, you know, and so education, people need education. And it really starts in the house. You know, if uh, if a kid is a bully, he's probably being bullied by his parents. And, you know, you know, easier said than done. And maybe the newer generations um, will do this. But, you know, in our households, we need to teach our children kindness. That's it. Yeah. It's just kindness. And, and you know, with butter, you know, we all kind of, uh, and I'm guilty of it too in my past, you know, would look at someone who's morbidly obese or who's stuff like that and come up with a judgment and go, oh, if they only ate less or if they had more self-control or if they, or if they did this and this and this. And it's really not that simple. No, well, it's not that simple, but it's also, you know, we just need to accept people with who they are. Yeah. What shape, size, race, it just doesn't matter. You know, that's who they are. And if that's how they choose to live their life, you might choose to live your life nice and healthy. But, you know, if if they need comfort food or for any reason, if it's hereditary or whatever reason. So much just, we don't know, right? You know, about, yeah, about yeah. the factors that go there and not just you know, how how human beings are wired, but yeah. also, you know, like, yeah, what is the four shaping? So, yeah, know, it's interesting. And I, I, I know I was glib and joking about, you know, you're the, it seems like a one-man band, but I love that your production company is the power of us. Yeah. And that, you, that it is, you couldn't really do this by your, it's funny to say, producer, director, writer, craft services. Could but not. But you could not do it without. But here's the thing. You're part of the whole. You're some. You're, you, you are part of the sum. Being here interviewing me, yeah. This movie just has a like attracts like. And the people in the audience that are going to be there tonight and the people that watch this movie. Listen, I I've met plenty of people that didn't give a shit about this movie. But they're just not like-minded. Yeah. So what is the the future now? We're we're having this recording uh that you will have your world premiere tonight. Yeah. The follow-up screenings, if they're part of Cinequest, will be in August, yeah. because now we're being delayed till August. But what can you say about the future of this film? I think the future of this film, um, you know, we screened this movie. We did two test screenings for teenage audiences. 96% uh, would recommend it to a friend. I mean, it was just the stats were off the charts. That's great. And then I started to think, well, how's it going to screen for an adult audience? And then we did a screening for 400 adults, and it, it, it just it couldn't have gone better. Um, adults really identify with this. You know, if I was going to categorize this movie, I would say it's Juno meets The Breakfast Club. You know, it has a John Hughes kind of feel to it. It deals with teenage issues, um, but it's got a serious subject matter at the core. Um, you know, I think with teenagers, they have very short attention spans today. They like the YouTube, the quick things, um, unless it's funny. And we made butter funny. Um, it has some serious subject matters in the middle of it, but it seemed to get the attention of the teenagers. And, um, and I think teenagers have a you know a dark sense of humor. Yeah. And, and you know, again, saw the trailer and went, "Yeah, I can totally see this resonating. I yeah. can totally see this being understood." Yeah. 
So that yeah, it, great. yeah, it's uh, it's just um, it's very exciting. So for the future, of this this is the first film festival we've been in. It's the world premiere. We don't have any distribution. We have not looked for any distribution yet. Okay. We are hoping distribution is going to come to us. We are hoping that um, we're going to get some good reviews tonight. We're hoping we're going to get some good sound bites, and then we're going to s- put in. Fanboy said that this movie was yes. about. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and then we have something to present to Netflix or Amazon, or maybe they'll read a review, you know, or whatever it is, and then they'll come to us. It's probably a Netflix or an Amazon movie. I can see this playing really well. Then, yeah. And, um, you know, um, they, lots of eyeballs, you know, lots of teenagers. You know, my sister, who's also an executive producer, said, God, if we could save one life, 10 lives. You know, how incredible would that be? Um, when I was casting this movie, we did videotape interviews across the country. Uh, actually, across the world. Um, one kid who interviewed, who put himself on tape, was Sam Coleman, who played the young Hodor in Game of Thrones. Oh, and he yeah. put himself on tape. Um, and um, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, but uh, what was the question that you asked me? Or did you ask me a question? what happens. No, we're just talking about changing, you know, saving one life, saving ten lives, and really changing yeah. people with this. Um, oh, okay. So one of the uh, auditions and a couple of emails that I got were um, from kids who are, are overweight, and they had read the book Butter. Um, and, um, and it said it saved their life. So that's very, very powerful. Erin uh, Jade Lang, who's the author, goes on talking... Uh, uh, tours to schools and talks to high school kids. Yeah. Um, and some high schools use Butter. The book is a curriculum. Uh, if you go on YouTube and you type in Butter, Aaron Jade Lang, you will see all these videos that these high school kids made, which are like 20 second to two minute trailers on the book. And some of them are animated. You got kids yeah. patting themselves being butter. I mean, it's really it's really innovative and creatively inspiring to see what these kids did. So, um, you know, we are in partnership with a nonprofit organization called the Jed Foundation that deals with teen mental wellness and suicide prevention. We wanted to make sure that we weren't just making a movie. Do, and you, that do you have a website for them? Uh, it's the Jed Foundation. The Jed uh, Foundation? Yeah, J-E-D. J-E-D. Yeah. Okay, that'll work? Uh, I don't know. You Just type we'll in type the Jed in. Foundation. That's true. Google so, exists. So, <laughs> yes, it does. So they're a partner because we wanted to make sure that we were dealing with these very, very serious subject matters responsibly. Yeah, we don't want to say, oh, we think this is what it is. And so Jed read the script early on. They gave us some advice on the script. They watched the movie. They gave us some advice on the movie. They also vetted um, and a nonprofit partners to Dear Evan Hansen. Um, so you know, we feel we we have a good partnership there. And uh, if we can help them, and if they can help us, it's a it's a good partnership. Well, that's wonderful. I look forward to seeing the movie. Great. I wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time. All right, Derek. Thank you. Awesome. It was a really interesting film and a really interesting conversation. I realized that up top I forgot to do our, what I usually call our ads. They're not necessarily, but in this time, uh, since we're going to get to comics news and movie news, TV news, if there's anything we do talk about on this podcast, like we just talked about this film, Butter, which is based on a book, you could get the book if you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store. And right now, you can't necessarily go there, 
but you might be able to order directly from them. So I don't want to hold off anybody from doing that. Support your small businesses. But if you can't do, go that way, there is, of course, Amazon link on each and every page on Fanboy Planet and direct links throughout throughout the site. If you go through the Amazon search box, we are affiliated and we get a small uh, profit back. I, what is that? I'm blanking on the word we use. Uh, it's been a long week, and what is it? It's only Wednesday night? Yeah. Anyway. Huh. Uh, <laughs> we get a pittance. Is is April over yet? Because that's, you know. <laughs> no, no. March was like 3,000 days long. You anyway. know, you know what I'm, I'm thankful for this April is that there haven't been any crazy April Fool's jokes so far no, that I've been exposed to. I've seen true. a couple of tasteful little ones from stores. I saw a great one where the, they were selling a uh, a shoulder bag for your uh, your um your uh, your iPods, the uh, the Apple little earpieces. <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. this eighteen inch strap with a little tiny box at the bottom to hold your. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yes, and so I bet I a do, lot of people I, ordered them. I have them. the same gratitude. Uh, I would say again, though, you know, if there's something we talk about, go that way. And, and so anything you you search through that search box, we get a credit. Uh, and of course, if you'd like to help just defray the cost of running the site or the podcast, you can donate money at PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com, which is also how you join the conversation, editor at fanboyplanet.com. And now more than ever, I would love to have communication with people listening to the podcast and reading the site and finding out what people think. And uh, I was actually really gratified uh, that somebody on the Facebook page said, because I, I had a review of the Birds of Prey digital release, and, and he said, you know, I usually trust your opinion. I went on Guy's Night Out, and we felt kind of let down by it. We didn't like the characterization. And it was a nice, respectful, believe it or not, respectful conversation on the Internet, and I was really glad to have that. It was a nice distraction on Saturday to be able to respond back and go, hey, you know, and he said, oh, he was going to watch Venom. And I said, well, let me know how you know what you thought of Venom. I didn't particularly like it, but maybe it's because I don't like Venom. So we had an exchange, and i and grateful for it. So if you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can follow us on the Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at fanboyplanet. You can follow us on Instagram at fanboyplanet. And let's get to, shall we? Comics. It's really mostly comics. Uh, is to talk about, um, yeah, say uh, this afternoon would have been New Comic Day. As we talked, to th- I think about on our last podcast, uh, there was mention that uh, Diamond was no longer accepting new material into their warehouses. And I think to be fair to Diamond, it was because their state is under a shutdown, a shelter in place, and. So it was difficult. They were kind of protecting their employees, and I absolutely respect that. But that meant that not only are there a lot of shops, comic shops around the country, that could not be open, but they could still ship books. There were no books to be shipped. Right. And so one retailer out of New Zealand had a solution. And uh, as you noted to me, there uh, there is a... <laughs> there is an article on Bleeding Cool that says, Today the comic shop's direct market was saved. And I don't think it's that simple. Comic Hub is a service that is kind of that is a point of sale service. Has been historically. They came up with a plan. Announced. Uh, I don't know if it was late last night that it was leaked, or if it was actually today that it came that the news broke officially. Uh, 
but it, it is a way for people to for shops to buy in. We talked about last week that there were some direct publishers that if you ordered directly from them, they and mentioned which comic shop you were at right now. You there was a game company you said Japanime Games was that right? Yes, yes, yes. And Black Mask Studios and TKO Studios, uh, and I, and I've heard of a couple of others. Uh, Scout Comics. I don't think I've ever bought anything from Scout Comics, and I got to check them out. Um, but if you put in special instructions, what store you normally shop at, they'll split their revenue, and that's great. Uh, Comic Hub is offering to get you your digital comics, and in in, a, in conjunction with your local retail store, if your retail store already has Comic Hub, and uh, as a point of sale service, they and so as, as enthusiastic as it is, I think a lot of retailers are very concerned, as they were when Comicsology started up. Yes. in the first place, how many years ago, that if comics readers get into the habit of digital, they it becomes much easier than going to a store yes. and, and, and getting getting there. So the thing with Comics Hub is the promise is you can buy the digital and the credit sort of goes to the store. And then when everybody's allowed to once again go to a comic shop, your local retailer will have the physical copy. So... That comes at the same time that Marvel had announced they were not going to release anything digitally until this was over so that people could get their comics first. Eric Larson, the creator of Savage Dragon, who's been on the podcast a few times, announced he was not going to submit any new issues of Savage Dragon until this was all over. Oddly he enough, did. he's still working on them, so he might get back in on schedule. Well, no, I know absolutely. You know, and that's he was getting criticism online. People were saying, like, wow. Are you re-soliciting? Why'd you fall behind? And he had to say again, look, I'm just not going to contribute to the collapse of the retailers. You know, because the argument back is if you buy the digital version and you've read it, you're you're still you've still kind of put the retailer on the hook with the physical copies. What's the guarantee that you're gonna go and pick them up? Now in some like a small town, if your com- if this is the way to keep your comic shop alive, and you live in a small town and you stay in that small town, I know that sounds really weird to say it that way, but I can't think of a better way to say it. You know, if you stay in that small town and you know that yes, when this is lifted, you will go pick up those those shops that's those comics. That's great, but there are a lot of retailers out there where there are people that are walk walk through. Um, that maybe are in town, as you and I have both talked about, like when we travel someplace, yeah. uh, maybe for business or whatever, we go to a shop, at a, you know, and and it, so it's hard to commit to. Yeah, we're going to make it back there. Or you order, you have a favorite shop, but you realize, oh, you know, it's just easier to get to. There's one closer to me. I mean, like I shop at a couple of places that are that are farther away. There are stores that are much closer than the ones I end up shopping at. So you know, it is something that gets me out in the evening to make sure like I go, but I make a trip, you know, instead of like it, there's a couple that are like, you know, half a mile away. I, and I drive much further. So that's my personal experience. But as I said, when comiXology first launched, that was their promise that you could offer a digital retail outlet and stores could buy it and then, and buy the digital copies or sell their customers, the digital copies that way. It worked very well, as I, I recall, way back when, 
that started that um, Comics Conspiracy in Sunnyvale, uh, which also has a podcast, would on their podcast recommend the books of the week, and then they'd have the links on their page for the direct store outlets. And you know, we don't have that as much as you know. You shop at one store, I shop at another. I shop at about three different ones. You know, um, we don't have that alliance with a store anymore. And we couldn't really make that work. And then it turns out that Comixology dropped that digital storefront for retailers eventually anyway. So I dug around a little bit on this Comic Hub thing. It sounds on the surface. There are retailers that, at least in the article uh, and Comics Conspiracy, for whom it worked very well once before, uh, is very excited about that. Um, Ryan Higgins is the the host, uh, the owner of that store and the host of that podcast. And he's very enthusiastic. I think he's got an infrastructure set up to make it work. Um, but there are some downsides here. Aside from what I've I've just described, there's also that uh, this was announced without actually having several publishers on board. DC has released that they are going to be exploring other options but they have not made a commitment to co- providing Comics Hub with with their books yet. Marvel has not committed to providing... Now, they might fall in line now that it's out there and if there's enough enthusiasm and, and, and both DC and Marvel would be, I understand. It would be foolish not to try to pursue that as a distribution angle, especially if nobody's going to be able to get to a comic shop until the end of May or, or even the end of June. But... At the point, at this point, there's all this, this all this hoopla, not to be confused with hoopla, the app that will allow you to get things from <laughs> library, right? Uh, there's all this hoopla about how great this service is, and the actual publishers, the content providers, have not gone on board, so gotten on board yet. And it's, they may, as of this recording, they have not yet. They may, who knows? There, however, Comics Hub isn't doing this out of the goodness of their heart they're trying to make money too so retailers are going to have to to pay a membership fee and as i understand it and i've heard from a few retailers at this point as i understand it uh, that they also have to pay for these books in advance you don't get the key the codes unlocked unless you paid up front on a sunday whereas through diamond when you're doing for for uh the hard copies of the books, you pay your your invoice after the books have shipped and you've had a chance to actually sell them. So as much as you and I have both talked about many times that Diamond, for all its strengths and all its weaknesses, the problem with selling through a catalog through previews is that longtime readers have to know exactly what they want to order. And... You know, at least at the very least, if somebody doesn't pick up their pool box, it can go back out on the on the stands right. and have a chance. A retailer has a chance of selling that book be, and and still and having the money to pay off their invoice to Diamond a month down the road. In this case, they have to pay on Sunday to get those codes so they can have those those books available on New Comics Day digitally on the Wednesday. So they have to pay in advance. They have to pay a fee be part of this and uh, has been pointed out to me from retailers of various sizes depending on the size of the retailer and meaning like if they have more than one shop uh, 
and again, in in a small town or an area that's, should we call it, say it, underserved by retailers, um, by the size of their orders, their discount, they're going to, as opposed to what their discount would be at Diamond, is they're going to end up paying more for their books if they go through this digital method than they would if they were, were Diamond. So not only are they having to pay in advance, they're also uh, they're also having to pay more than they would ordinarily. So I see the strengths, I see the pros, I see the cons. And so don't believe the hype that this has saved the industry. No one really knows yet what the, what this is. You know, I read Rich Johnson's article. I admit to a little confirmation bias that I thought, well, I immediately saw some of these flaws, not all of them. And then you know, I said, poked around a little bit and found a little more information about it. I like right now Marvel Comics uh, Unlimited, now not Unlimited, but Marvel Comics Digital Service is offering a sale on their book, so you can catch up on runs. And in one conversation today, I I mentioned like, well, you know, my son can't get my copies of Immortal Hulk. I buy a copy of Immortal Immortal Hulk when it comes out, and he reads it. But he and I are not able to get together right now because he's. He's under shelter in place. I'm in, under shelter in place in different in different ways. So I'm in a position where, yes, I could buy those issues that he has not yet read and send them to him digitally and give him that opportunity. And I'm happy to do that. But it's also because I've already paid for the hard copies at my at, at Elusive Comics. I'm not a you know I'll, I'll, I'll name check it. They're a, they're a store that's both shipping and and or. You know, they were fulfilling up to the point that they were getting new comics, and I paid in advance and said, when this is all over, I will go into that store, and yeah, I'll have a lot of comics I have to catch up on. But, uh, you know, that's the, that's the situation. So you've been quiet. Your thoughts? Because you, you have been a digital ad- adapter. Yeah. You got, got me Adopter, hooked up yeah. a lot of different services, you know. so Yeah, the uh, we are undergoing a lot of changes because of our current situation. And it's not just comics. I mean, I want to be fair. It's, it's it, books. It, you know. I, I, we, I was just in a uh, uh, a conference, a uh, interview basically with uh, uh, one of the big names in presentations yesterday, and we were talking about um, the fact that so many meetings are going online right now. That Zoom is just like has become part of the language overnight. It's not like it's a new product. I've been using it for years. But it's yeah. it's it's pervasive. Everyone knows it now, and it's so pervasive you almost think they caused this. Yeah, the, well, the <laughs> I mean, you keep so you keep trying to do that conspiracy. Um, I, hey, I believe in conspiracies. But anyway. So uh, the the idea that the it's it's so much easier if everyone can attend a meeting from their desk, um, regardless of how far away they are from the speaker, and just today. Microsoft has announced that all of their upcoming conferences are going to be virtual for the time Through being. Microsoft Teams? Uh, any number of ways. Okay. But Teams Teams was, they, they did the MVP conference this year uh, virtually. And they set that thing up with like three weeks notice from canceling the uh, physical attendee conference, which is a big, many thousands of people coming from all over the world to even more people were able to attend because it was virtual. And 
it worked really well. They got a lot of good feedback on how well it worked for how, how quickly it was done. So that's changing business. This, this is also having an effect. Obviously it's having an effect on our media, on movies and television. And there's no reason to expect that, um, that comics and books are going to be any different and that there will be there. There's going to be fallout from this. Oh, absolutely. I, I guested last night on, uh, Dan Shaheen, who used to own hijinks comics, uh, where you shop, uh, yes. Neil bought it from him. Uh, he runs a live stream called comic book news and he brought me in last night. One to your point, the internet bandwidth is getting hammered. <laughs> it's very hard. Everybody's live streaming. So, uh, but you know, he asked for that prediction and all I could say is when the smoke clears, you know, my, my end of show prediction was it's just not going to be what it was. And there was a retailer, uh, the guy who runs comic shop news and who said that he was, that even before this happened, like the back issue market was, uh, was not, I won't call it dropping out, but a lot of back issues of, of comics, particularly silver age that he had been looking for, uh, suddenly got a lot cheaper before all right before all this happened. Oh. Now, that's not part of a conspiracy. It's just saying in general that people have been kind of tight, had been tightening their belts anyway. And so, you know, it's interesting. Even when I say that, I don't know that anything's going to save the comics retailer. I hope that there are comics retailers that are standing at the end of this. And it is a matter of what matters to you. You and I talk about this. We go to the shops we go to because we enjoy the community. There are shops I go to because they're convenient. I happen to be there. But there are, well, it's like Earth 2 in Sherman Oaks. Uh, I don't really go to the Earth 2 in Northridge because it's farther away from me. But Earth 2 in Sherman Oaks, I love the community there. I love the events there. I've gone to events at Collector's Paradise in North Hollywood, uh, down to, still haven't been to Atomic Basement, but, you know, Mike Wellman's shop, because I love Mike Wellman, uh, but it's like my hanging out at Dark Delicacies in Burbank as well. I love the community around that and elusive comics and games. Let me not, uh, you know, fail to call them out. Uh, that uh, in Santa Clara, I will if I say I'm just popping over to the comic store. I'll be in for five minutes. I still talk at least twenty minutes with somebody. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and I go to events there, and I, and I love that. And that's the part that digital can't replace but if you're not in that habit that's my 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 concern through this is we can make all the book recommendations we want and you can get them digitally and say my question is like i i've seen a lot of independent publishers offering deals and say well you know is this an opportunity to you know we can ship books directly to stores and you can sell your independent books but if you don't have new readers getting into the habit you know, or, or being able to browse, like I don't know going through Amazon, say, unless you, I mean you specifically, Rick, my friend, tells me, hey, have you read this book? Yeah. Or or have you read this comic? You, you know, part of why we have that pick of the week thing is like, hey, oh, I missed that, you know. If you don't have that community telling you, you can't go to Amazon or Comixology really and say, you know, that, that – <laughs> you know, this is a cool new book you want to read. I mean, it's one of the services we try to offer as Fanboy Planet to say, and, and many other fantastic sites, you know, are recommending and getting past the hype and saying, what's well, actually a really good book? And 
you know, that's another flip side is is with a retailer that doesn't have the infrastructure in place. If each week they have to say these are our offerings, they have to market to their readers right. every week digitally. That's a lot of noise. We're all getting a lot of noise right now. You, yeah, you know? and, and they have to do it for a lot of people. They have to do it in person. Because they don't have contact information. Well, no, and that's what I mean is some stores have that infrastructure. Absolutely. I don't know if Hijinx does. You know, uh, Elusive sends out a, a newsletter each week, and, they, and they're and they pretty good about updating their website. Uh, Collector's Paradise, which I'll, I'll call out. They've got an interesting idea. They're curating books. I love this as a solution, and I've got the link on Fanboy Planet. Uh, I've got, I'm running a list, and, and I, I add every couple of nights because some retailer has reached out and said, "Hey, you know, we're offering this," blah, blah, you know, and, and which is great. They found me on Facebook and said, "I'm really glad to be able to do it because I didn't want it to all be just like, oh, in the San Jose area and the Los Angeles area where Derek and Rick are." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what about comic shops across the country? Right. And you know, but but they're doing a curatorship, so they're saying like. If you spend, you fill out, do you want an indie? Do you want Dark Horse? Do you want Image? Do you want DC or Marvel? And they'll put together, or kids' books, they'll put together a package and say, you can do a one-time, I think it's 30 bucks. It, it wasn't, you know, that they'll they'll send graphic novels and number one issues of series that they feel got overlooked by people. And if you're a regular customer, and I'm, I'm not really, but, you know, I, I've been in there and, and, Years ago, I don't remember even doing it, but I, I found it grateful. I'd signed up for the graphic novel club, so I got points, so that if I ever went back in and bought a trade paperback, those points could be used as a discount. You know, if they have it in your records, they'll at least make sure as they curate that they're not giving you something they know you already bought at their store. But they will do their best with the time on their hands to see if you know what fits your taste if they know it. Otherwise, it'll just be a random selection of kids' books. I love this as a solution to help keep that store alive, or it's a chain, it's three stores. Um, you know, I, I would hope other retailers are, are, are doing things like that. But again, you know, it's bandwidth. Nobody had prepared this infrastructure to handle this, and that's not just in comic shops. Obviously, there are a lot of shops, a lot of different kinds of retailers that were not prepared for this. There were a lot of a lot of government, local government offices that were not. None of us were. You know, education. Uh, all across this country, all across the world, people are suddenly going, maybe we should have, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And I just hope that there's enough of what we recognize and have grown comfortable with in the way we get to indulge in our hobby standing at the end of this. And, you know, so I want to offer their one retailer or one publisher trying to say, hey, the first one's free which I would, I'm going to offer up because it really is a good deal, and there's some really good comics available. If you go to Dark Horse, digital.dork, dork, <laughs> digital, leave that in. I stand by that, that flub. Uh, digital.darkhorse.com is offering over 80 books for free on digital right now. They're number ones, and they're some trade collections. And the one that le- leapt out for me, was Hellboy Seed of Destruction. So the first, if, if you've been, like, you've watched the movies and enjoyed them well enough, but never really got why people were into it, this is the time. You can download digitally the first trade paperback and really enjoy it. But when you look, I think you looked at this site too today, that when you look through how they've curated it, it's fantastic. 
So there's the Mignola verse. There's Hellboy. There's Go- BPRD. There's Ghost and Hellboy crossover. Um, Disney stuff: Frozen, Incredibles, uh, Treasure I- the Mickey Treasure Island because they were reprinting some of the uh, Italian uh, classics adaptations with the Disney right. main characters. There's a lot of tremendous stuff there. And then you get into free horror and sci-fi, all these aliens and predator thing. And one of my favorites, you can get, although they have to do it individually, Beasts of Burden by Evan Dorkin and, and Jill Thompson. I've recommended every one of those miniseries and make sure I buy those about these cats and dogs in this mystic, you know, near a hellmouth basically that are protectors of their humans. And the humans are completely oblivious to the fact that they are living on the edge of this mystical thinning. One I loved in October, the first issue of Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter, number one. That is available for free, and that's when we had uh, the creator uh, on the podcast back in October, and that was that was exciting. Empowered, a series that I've heard a lot of good things about, and I've wanted to check it's out. It's fun. It's fun. It's sexy too. I mean, it's and it's, somebody it's, just, it's for adults. And somebody, a, a coworker, just we were chatting last night, and he. And he said to me, you know, you should check out, if you want like inspir- a hopeful book right now, the, the newest elf quest, Stargazer's Hunt, is really oh, yeah. good. And I thought, oh, I, you know, yeah, sure. And here it is, the first issue for free. It's like the universe spoke to me. Plus, you can get Fight Club 2 and Fight Club 3. And, you know, and some great horror stuff, like I said, Stranger Things, Near and Dear to Your Heart, Black Hammer. You can get the first issue of five different miniseries in Black Hammer, the Black- six different uh, including one that you recommended just a couple of weeks ago, yep. Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy. Video game adaptations, uh, Burger comics. I would really, if you miss Vertigo, uh, Karen Berger is the editor who really was a driving force between, between behind what made Vertigo great. So she went to Dark Horse and she has her own imprint. And it doesn't get that much attention. There are some terrific books that every time I pick one up, I'm like, yeah, I, again, back to a comic shop being a great, you know, community that recommends stuff to you. These are some really interesting, cool comics and push the form. And then they've got Dark Horse Originals, which really are some of their uh, gold key and from their superhero universe. I mean, it's just like every time I look at a page on this, I'm like, okay, there's something else I need to, I need to pick up. Like, I think I read Spy Boy years ago and now I think I'm just going to download it to be sure you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like but i loved ghost and so there's some go you know yes. ghost rivals and uh brain boy was out of gold key and i never i didn't pick that up but captain midnight i that's a character that always intrigues me you know so i mean it's it's a great offer and so i, I really recommend that and then you know take my advice you get the first one's free everybody and then when this is over go in and see if you can order it you can order it through us on amazon that's that's true but again, I do want to encourage because, as I say in every one of my live stream appearances or whatever, you may say it, and through the podcast, I love comics retailers, and I've come to be friends with many of them, but I just love the communities that build up, and, and that's the habit I want people to have is, especially after this, we've been so distanced. Once this is over, you know, I, I do hope people find a place and a community with a local shop. So this is a great chan- chance to give yourself a taste and then find your way to a shop at the end. So on that, Rick, last week we we talked about you know books we would recommend to binge, and maybe you picked up some things. I did take advantage of one. I take advantage. I ordered directly when when uh, Black Mask Studios offered that they would get to give half their profits 
to the re- the retailer of my choice. So I ordered a trade paperback because there, in case I'm I'm friends with one of the owners of Elusive, well, two of the owners of Elusive, but one confirmed said, "Oh yeah, they do this great book." So I ordered the book on his recommendation, and I and it did arrive within a week. Four kids walk into a bank, trade paperback. Uh, really fascinating series. So I don't want to belabor it. It's a really cool kind of noir where these um, kids, you'd like it, it begins with them playing D&D. Uh, and then it turns <laughs> out that, that the host's father is caught up with some some crooks. And so, but they're really good at planning campaigns. So <laughs> they're brave and standing up against uh, they're kind of like both detectives and also trying to keep the dad out of, out of trouble. But I think they're going to end up walking to a bank. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, they may pull a heist. <laughs> it does kind of sound that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the title says it all, right? But it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's really a good book. I think that I read that somebody, some studio had picked it up for adaptation. So, you know, there's that. I took, that, took advantage of that offer. Is there anything new that you picked up this week? Uh, through one of those kinds of offers, or you went digitally? Actually, yeah. There was a um, publisher you were going to talk about. There is. Uh, so this, was, uh, this wasn't comics, um, but I have a, a real love for, um, for print books, and I have, over the years, bought pretty much the entire catalog from Meteor House, uh, which is a, uh, it's, it's a fanish, fantasy science fiction um, a lot of stuff that comes out of Philip Jose Farmer and Tarzan and, uh, but not just that, but they, so they have all these books and they're beautiful books, beautifully produced, um, you know, $30 volumes of, of, of stuff, you know, that you can pick up. But yesterday they announced that all of their eBooks were going on sale for two ninety nine, And I buy eBooks, sometimes of books I already have because obviously it's easier to travel with an ebook reader and at night I can read the ebook reader with my lights out, not keep my wife awake. I know and, I'm I'm torn on that because they say it's it's harder to fall asleep once you've had the light shown directly in you, but I'm I'm with you. You can it's, I don't have any trouble falling asleep on, on on ebooks. But you can dim the light on most of them. It's a soft soft light. But so they for two ninety nine, you can get any one of these these books. There there are um, continued uh, stories like uh, Philip Jose Farmer wrote a book called Two Hawks from Earth, and there's a sequel to that written by um, uh, what's a Heidi Ruby Miller called Man of War. Um, Philip Far- Farmer's own Tarzan and the Dark Heart of Time is available. Terrific book, and then uh, Tarzan. Uh, Tarzan introduced us to Opar, and Farmer took the Opar um, lost Atlantean colony uh, to two books that uh, that have been reprodu- reproduced in Flight to Opar, um, which uh, then there are f- now five books in this series that have been brought to us by Meteor House Press, and they're all available in ebooks. There's if you ever read. Uh, Around the World in 80 Days, you know who Phineas Fogg is. If you read Philip Jose, Mar- Jose Farmer's The Other Log of Phineas Fogg, you know that, in fact, he was fighting aliens all through that series. And there's, a, there's, another, um, a, there's another sequel to that book uh, 
called Phineas Fogg in the War of Shadows that is available. Airship Hunters by Jim Beard and Dwayne Spurlock, which is just crazy uh, turn-of-the-century uh, spies and mysterious airships and UFOs. Um, and then if you're a Doc Savage fan, there's the Evil in Pemberley House and the uh, the Scarlet Jaguar, which both figure figure um, feature uh, Patricia Wildman, who is the farmer's version of Doc Savage's cousin, uh, Pat Savage. So... Um, just a ton of stuff here. And at $2.99, um, I, I bought just every one of them just because it's just like, it's cheaper than a comic and you're getting a huge book and quality stuff. So those were the, that was my big find for the week as far as, um, not free, but definitely a bargain. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I might, I do have the evil at Pemberley house. Um, but, uh, I think I should buy the uh, the digital because I I shelved it away. I have not gotten to it yet. And, and then the Scarlet Drag Jaguar, which is a sequel to Evil of Beverly House. Yeah, no, no, I understand. I'm just yeah. uh, I got to get through one before I get to the next. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But there we go. So those are our additional recommendations this week, and it's MeteorHousePress.com. And we should mention, of course, to you know, full disclosure, we have befriended and I think had a, some communication yes. and interviewed. Win Scott Eckert and Christopher Paul Carey, who also are both involved in the Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, organization. Carey uh, writes all of the uh, the um, Opar Venus. books. Yeah, oh, he's, he's written the five uh, Haddon of, o- of Opar and and yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, both there is that, but we were we were fans before we met them. Yes, so we I will say yes. that to be fair. Um, so let's move a little bit to movies. As, as can I can know. I do one more thing? Sure. Because I did, I did actually get comics last week, and I have a PSA, and it's a personal one, because we finally got around to issue four hundred four, Year of the Villain, Hell Arisen, which says Final Judgment. So this this series. You're the villain has tied into um, what's the other one? Uh, the the uh, the one that happened. You know, I'm trying to remember the name of the character. It starts with an A. Uh, turned out to be the Manhunter. Um, ah, now I can't think of it. There there have been three big events running through DC. They've all kind of intermingled and twisted, and each one of them has continually been um, subject to reveals as to what's really going on behind all this stuff to the point of exhaustion. And I was really looking forward to this issue um, because it looked like it was going to tie up both the year of the villain and the whole, um, uh, the, the thing that was been going on in Superman and in uh, justice league, as far as this uh, perpetua character. And on the last couple of pages, we find out that no, it's not finishing up. It's just spinning into the next big event, which is death metal. And <sighs> I am, I am, I am sorry, but I am just exhausted by the way DC is writing these events these days. They can't write Marvel at least is doing. I like what Marvel does where they say, okay, we're going to do a Spider-Man book, but we're going to do a separate Spider-Man book that has separate numbering. And it's just, the four issues that go along with this event. 
And so, but this has been through Superman and action and Batman and all, just about all the books that justice yeah. league. And oh, it's I, just exhausting and it's not a good story. I'm sorry. It's and not I, and a I good agree. story. I, you know, this is one of those things where I feel bad, uh, when like even an exciting new character, a new creator team goes on a, on a character that I love and I go, yeah, you know, this is exciting until the next crossover screws up whatever they actually wanted to do. Yeah. Like years ago. And I'm going to put this on, on, on Marvel. Marvel had a fantastic series about young Loki right into uh, journey into mystery. And I binged it through trade paperbacks from Marvel. And I loved the series until it became clear I think this, the crossover was Fear Itself, ruined whatever uh, Karen Gillan was trying to do with the character. Like, it was growing, and then everything got derailed by this crossover. And then, mysteriously, people lost interest in the book. Because well, everything that made it great was screwed up. You know, So I think if, if one thing changes on the landscape, maybe not so many crossovers. We this conversation I've been hearing too is like, well, when this, when, when things go, if, if you, you can't go to, I, I have to say this because I, I it, when you use when, if there are fewer comic shops, Marvel and DC might go to, go to Walmart and target. And you and I have experienced how well that works. Yeah. I say sarcastically, uh, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, you know, Walmart's not going to carry 80 books a month. 80 different titles from, from Marvel and DC. You're really only, they're only going to carry the top 10 or 15 of each publisher. So it's in these guys, these publishers best interest now to kind of winnow down the line and, and, and really create a better value for the money and, and, and not crossover because it's back to when we were, when we were kids, you go to the spinner rack me at Ronda Rexall uh, in Sunnyvale or 7-Eleven, I couldn't, as, as I've said, there are still comics I bought as a kid that I have no idea how the story ends because I never found this, the next issue. You know, and, um, and I probably could find it now, but I'm busy reading new stuff. You know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, th- it was a crapshoot. And as, as we discovered in, this, in the Santa Clara County, no Walmarts got them, got those 100-page giants. No. And, you know, they just don't have the space. So, anyway, I did remember. I did remember. I'm sorry. I have to say this. Leviathan. That's the 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 event. Leviathan. I was oh. trying to. Remember. So there's been there's been the three three big things going on. Leviathan, uh, Year of the Villain, and then the third one that I I really am blanking on, which was the Perpetua storyline. So. Yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> you're right. I stopped caring, and when you lost me. You, you you lost it all. Yeah. yeah, that's how that's how arrogant I am. Anyway, uh, just talk a little bit about movies. As you said, you know the landscape's changing, and the summer blockbuster se- season is kind of over. You know, uh, it, everything's been pushed back. Wonder Woman, uh, nineteen eighty four. Wonder Woman eighty four has been pushed back to August at this point, but it may be pushed back even further. Black Widow's off the off the table. They've not announced a new deal. Um, have you downloaded any of these? I think Amazon calls it like there's, they've got a special name for the movies that you basically pay, pay movie theater ticket prices for. Right, right. I have not. 
Um, I am still not at a loss for things that I have uh, banked on my DVD DVR. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm st- and and I keep getting um, services that keep wanting me to watch something for free. You know, I, I yeah, that's I, true. I had just the other day um, uh, Broadway Online, I think it is, said, uh, "Hey, you want to you want to watch uh, you want to watch the London production of Oklahoma." With Wolverine? I think it? that was Broadway. Did they say Wolverine or did they say Hugh Jackman? No, they said Hugh Jackman. But I did I did uh I did craft a storyline around it where, where Wolverine was actually playing Curly and, and he has he tries to talk uh, Sabretooth into killing himself. Um uh, that's which, not too far off from the actual plot. So yeah. uh so um Poor Judd so, Creed is dead. Yeah. yeah. Poor Judd is dead. Um so anyway the uh the the number of things that are out there between all the all the services all the services that I subscribe to are actually coming to use. Um, I've watched. I've been that. enjoying CBS. I've enjoyed- yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 finale for Picard was amazing and splendid. Um, Would you agree with me? Did they? Did you feel for just a minute? And I know I accidentally spoiled this part, but. Because I messaged you and said, "My God, yeah. wasn't that great?" But did you feel for just a minute like they'd lied that there was no season two? I, I, if I hadn't, I, I don't want to make you feel bad, but I don't because you spoiled it, things for me with having. Oh, uh, okay, you, okay. You, you know, so, so this one, so, I, I, I'm owed. Okay, so <laughs> so funny how lovely how you turned that around. Um, <laughs> so if if I hadn't heard that from you, yes, I would have totally thought there is no season two. That uh, that this is uh, this was uh, this is another baby Yoda. It was a secret they kept from us that this is actually time for uh, for uh, for Patrick Stewart to step out of the role. Um, but uh, they did it. They they reversed themselves on it. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> See, there you go. So they've reversed themselves. Oh well, it's, I'm not near as bad as the. Uh, as, as the website for the uh, series, yeah. it was like the day after they were spoiling themselves. Um, I like but the crew. It, they, so, the the, uh, the, uh, oh, the final crew on the ship is amazing. It's yeah, ter- you know, this is an origin story for that crew, and it's what I've always said Star Trek needed. I have said since since before Voyager that what Star Trek needed. In fact, there was an episode of Next Generation where they had a kind of like. Han Solo like character who just came onto the ship and he was a little amoral. And, and I said, they need to build a show around him because the thing about Star Trek that makes it really hard for you to write a good story is that all the characters are essentially perfect. And then they have a problem that causes a story. And what you need are characters that are damaged, that have baggage, that have backstories that get them involved in stuff. And this is that crew. I've seen criticism and some people I know that are big Star Trek fans and feel utterly betrayed by Picard and partially I'm just at an age where even the things I love, I don't hold precious. You know, it's a new storyteller. It's the, the source, but I, I, you know, I've said many times to, to your extent is, is even now in hindsight, people say next generation, don't watch the first season. It didn't get good until I'm like, well, that's why I didn't get into it in the first place. I watched the first season and it sucked. And and then the characters I like better. But but I think if anything, the past couple of years have taught us is there isn't going to be a magical federation 
that cures human nature. So this is why I like discovery, being honest, and the moments when someone like, you know, uh, Burns, right, Michael Burnett? No, what's her name? Oh, my gosh. Uh, the lead of discovery. Uh, oh. It's Michael. I know that, but I can't remember her. Michael Burnham. Michael Burnham. I knew I had Burn. Okay. You know, when she gave her speech at the end of the first season about arguing that the Federation should stand for something better, I was like, yeah, that's that's more believable. It's people fighting to overcome the the darker sides of our nature and doing the right thing. That's a story. That's heroism. People having a structure in place that keeps them from doing the right. You know, and I guess that's the thing is because I like the original series so much and i never thought that i thought kirk was heroic but i didn't think he was perfect you know he was inspiring he clearly did overcome things and had to make tough decisions you watch sitting on the edge of forever and it's like how is letting joan collins die uh you know edith keeler uh die that that even as a kid watching that i was like that had to be super hard and painful you know And, and so uh, watching this and saying like, well, there are people living on the fringe of the Federation and clearly there are people that will twist the Federation to its own ends. Well, to their own ends. That happens. Humanity doesn't stop being humanity just because we've got a better system. Yeah. And, it, you know, to add to that, um, there are a lot of people who say that the Orville right now is the best Star Trek ever. And the funny thing about that is the Orville characters are all really kind of flawed. Oh, absolutely. You know, they, they, you know, they tell bad jokes. They take, they do practical jokes that are damaging. They, you know, um, they take advantage of each other and, but it kind of resolves at the end and you get back into the sandbox, but it is, it is that, that kind of character that makes for a good story. Yeah. Yeah. So there, that's a great, it's a chance. And I think you still have a couple of weeks where CBS will let you just stream it all for free. Oh yeah. Anybody who's not taking advantage of that, you know, you're missing out. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and you know, in the meantime, I have I have rented uh, Bloodshot. I think I mentioned I've rented The Invisible Man, I, the movies that I never that I meant to get out and see before this all happened. Well, they came home. Onward's going to be on Disney Plus. I'm sure more things are going to show up, and I'm gonna I'm still you and I both both were in agreement with this. I think we're going to see Black Widow on Disney Plus. Yeah, very soon. Yeah, um, I, I expect that that. Um... I'll say within a month. I think no. I, I think that's reasonable. I, I, I think that's reasonable. I don't think you you and I are in disagreement about that. They may do what they did with Onward and say there's a week where you go digital. Um, you know, and and I was thinking about this because somebody asked me when I uh, mentioned on Friday night. Oh, I you know I, I just just watched the Blu-ray and uh, not the Blu-ray. I got the digital release of, of Birds of Prey. And they offered it to me for a review code. So it was great. Man, all the same extras are there. I, You know, and that's terrific. But somebody asked me, oh, is that on Blu-ray already? And I thought, in all this, are Blu-rays still coming out? When you don't, well, I guess they did release the Star Wars set um, from Best Buy. But those are pre-orders, you know. I mean, yeah. are we going to be pushing I, I back know. Blu-ray releases? Because you can't. You know, that it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation all around. Which is to say that I don't know when we're going to run out of new stuff. Because, <laughs> no, seriously, because nobody's in production right now. 
No, and I've heard a rumor that production is, that studios are planning to ramp up uh, to start going back into production in June. But again, that is with the hoped yeah. for date that at the beginning of June we all get to go out and see the sun on a regular basis again. Right. But but the 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 one industry that I think could pull I I I actually think we might see a number of animated series animated shows that can still be produced now mm-hmm. while while the while the uh, developers and designers and artists and and production people are all sheltering in place because basically they the ones that need the big machines can go in and be there by themselves get things running leave them go well, home yeah the, the Pixar has just given somebody from Pixar just gave an interview saying Pixar's on schedule because everybody's yeah. just got their as long as they've got access to the cloud uh, and they're working from home, you know, it, it wasn't that they had planned, yeah. but I think they had enough, they had enough time, uh, advance notice, just enough for everybody to go into work and take their monitors home. Yeah. And no, so, I, I, that, I actually think we're going to see a most, uh, for, for a short period of time, I think we're going to be seeing more animated stuff coming out than live action. That may be because, yeah, I haven't read about any of the live action things that had to suspend production. Going back into production. Thank heavens, uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson have come through uh, their infection just fine. But I noticed in those articles, they didn't say, well, and we started up on that Boz Lerman Elvis oh, no. movie. <laughs> nope. No. They just went, nope, we're staying in <laughs> nope, place. Nope, nope. Nope. You know, so that's not happening. But let me talk Go about ahead. some good, let me get to the good news. Okay. Good I've news. Got, I, and these are things to we look We need a theme to. for good news. Good, good, uh, good, good news. Yeah. Okay. We got to get you know we'll pull Sal into one of these because he surprisingly Sal Pizarro improvises theme songs in his head for almost everything we do and I think I want to expose that heretofore unexposed or underexposed musical talent. So here's the good news: got an email this week that there's an organization that's been trying to put together the Hollywood Science Fiction Museum for I think about three or four years. I first encountered them. I want to say it was 2017 at WonderCon and. A place where you could see some of the greatest props, costumes, uh, vehicles as well from the classics of, of Hollywood movies and TV science fiction. And that there has not really been a central place for that. And so they, they recently changed their name to Sci-Fi World. There's a little catch here. Uh, because they also have a Hollywood Horror Museum. And I got this email saying that before this all hit, they had been planning to do a pop-up, get a storefront in a mall in Los Angeles and for they have not found their permanent home at least find a place to put some of their exhibits up they'd done a kickstarter a few years ago where they saved the movie land wax museum that was down in uh Wayne Park uh that uh, of the movie land wax museum star trek figures of the original crew they had a bridge so they created a new enterprise bridge Greg Nicotero the makeup artist on The Walking Dead and the creator of Shudder, uh, of Shudder's version of Creepshow, uh, he was refurbishing those figures, and he's on the as I said, he's on the board of the of Sci-Fi World, and so they're finally going to get an opportunity to display these figures again. They're going to display uh, an exhibit called The Science of Superheroes with life-size figures of DC and Marvel superheroes, and some explanations as to how their powers might work function in, in kind of that non-imaginary way what is the science behind them 
and a piece of the Hollywood Horror Museum, Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance from The Shining. Mm-hmm. I've seen this figure at the L.A. Comic Con. It is frightening how good it looks. Uh, or actually, I saw it at WonderCon last year. It wasn't L.A. Comic Con. It was down at WonderCon. Is it Frozen Jack or Jack coming through the wall? No, it's or? Jack It's Jack walking down the hall with a knife in his hand. Okay. And I had not seen that they've created one of Shelley, Torren- uh, Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance uh, trying to protect herself from that. So uh, I'm anticipating that's going to be a really creepy-looking little exhibit. I'm excited there's a place because I want people to go and see it and, and realize it would be kind of cool, a, a, yet another go-to uh, thing in town in L.A. But I think that would be a cool uh, a cool thing. They've got some Battlestar Galactica, both versions, uh, props, ships, so forth. They've got, obviously, some Star Trek stuff. They've got uh, – they may have some Star Wars stuff, although I think L.A. is developing a Lucas LucasArts or Lucasfilm Museum as well. Um, so – to me, that was good news. Something to look forward to. That that they they, uh, they 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 are delaying, but they still got the agreement with the mall, so they will set it up in early 2021 instead of the summer of 2020. Because let's be honest, we can't guarantee that that the summer of 2020 people are going to be really ready to travel. And uh, as of this recording, Comic Con is still not canceled, but I, I don't see how that can go forward. You know, at, at this point, we're running out of time to put displays together. So, yeah. so, and it's fine. It's like, hey, let's all take a breather from mindless consumerism. And as you said, like, we're, we're running out of new stuff. This is time to catch up on everything that's banked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm looking on going through that all through the summer. So I call that good news. And the other good news for 2021, and I admit, this is all just spitballing at this point, but Joe Chiotto, uh, no, I said the wrong one. Edward Chiodo of the Chiodo brothers. Joe is Joe is the other one. Uh, Edward Chiodo gave a, a, an interview to comicbook.com and said that MGM wants to develop what is one of my favorite, I, I go ahead, dumb films of oh, all yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Me too. Um, and yet it, it holds up, man. I still enjoy watching it. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And I am ecstatic to hear that MGM looked around, realized that it made a lot of money and, and clowns <laughs> We're back in the zeitgeist, and they went, do we have any? They do. So they want to develop either as a film franchise or a TV series for 2021. And I, again, could not be happier. That's exciting to me. I know that a couple of years ago, the Killer Clowns showed up. They had a Killer Clowns dance party at Universal Hollywood Horror Nights, uh, Halloween Horror Nights. And uh, I almost went. That was all, That was the exhibit that almost made me go. So I am excited about that. When I saw and, that in your notes, I was like, a series? A series? Really? Could they do a series? I'm like, then I started doing a little research because all the clowns in Killer Clown were basically the bozo whiteface type. Yes. There are so many different types of clowns around the world. If they spotlighted one every episode, a different, like mimes or rodeo clowns. Murderous mimes from Mercury. Um, Jester clowns. Itself. You know, the oh, the harlequin or the periot or you know <laughs> yeah. all, all these different types of clowns um and they don't all have to get along you know that's that's they could all be like warring factions of clowns okay, that would be awesome. brothers and mgm we are ready to consult there you go listen to us and i do want to call out because uh, this happened at gallifrey one i was on a panel uh with Craig Price uh, about movies from uh, sci-fi movies of 2019. Craig Price is the host of a podcast called Matinee Heroes. And as I found out, he was the guy, uh, he hosted a lot of Cinequest movies last year. 
in 2019 and then he moved to LA. So I, we didn't know him. Now we do. Uh, I guess on a Patreon episode talking about my, one of my other favorite all time dumb movies. Uh, so in April, uh, on matinee heroes, there will be a conversation between Craig price and myself about strange brew. Which oh yeah. We watched again Monday night and yes, it holds up too. <laughs> so I'm grateful. The mark of a great dumb movie is 40 years later. It's still funny. So, uh, there's that. Those are, those are my good news for this week. And I want to call, you know, ask out to people. It's, we can't keep on top of it all. And so let's have, have a movement to, of communicating with us. Not only, of course, as I said, I want to start that hashtag, use your powers for good, but share the good no- news to us of things that are upcoming, that we're looking forward to, that, that, you, that you're excited about. What's coming uh, that once this is all over, you're going to run out and do, you know, will there be a week of, of the rise of, resist- uh, rise of the resistance at Disneyland? Will you actually be able to get, get uh, boarding passes for it uh, <laughs> if attendance is a little down at first? What you know that that's one for me too. It's like I, I still haven't ridden that ride, and who knows when. So um, you know, what is it that you are looking forward to? A Mandalorian season two? Are you looking forward to the to uh, you know they announced today that there probably won't be a solo two? But I'm thinking, well, Disney Plus could still do a solo series. I'd be happy in that universe. So yeah. are there are the things you'd like to see? Or the things you have heard are happening, and hey, why haven't you guys talked about it? Well, we'd be happy to. Just let us know. If you've got any comments, questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. We thank you for spending this time with us, and you know you have a lot of choices, and, I, and I'm really grateful that you, you might enjoy the conversations that Rick and I have. Well, if you've got made it this far, you enjoyed it. I hope you did. So talk back to us. Go to you know Facebook or go onto the site and which, whichever. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brettsnyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for, for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.